Good morning, everyone. If you're just getting to listen to this now, it is Monday morning. It's Columbus Day, hopefully off from work, and you get to uh, listen to this in the comfort of your own home instead of listening to it on your way to work. Um, tonight, I'm Doug. I will be your host. I'm with John, Luke, Steve, and Derek. Um, we have a awesome wild card recap to uh wild card games to recap for you and um we're gonna get to that i just got to get the promos out of the way first all right so if you don't know yet on our website bleacherbrawls.com we have archived all the podcasts that we have done uh so if you missed one or you want to go back and be like hey that that guy said this and he was full of shit and he was wrong and you know you don't remember exactly what we said you can go back and look for it. Um, we often mention back to earlier podcasts to be like, yeah, I said this and I was right. And Barnes was wrong. Oh. All right. Um, some stuff we got coming up for you. Uh, so on bleacherbrawls.com, we have a Xander Bogarts column going up tomorrow. Um, on YouTube, last Friday, we put up the Yankees season uh, video. And Tuesday, myself, Derek, and maybe someone else will be doing a uh, another wild card uh, round recap video that should go up on Tuesday. All right, and then don't forget, we had some. Me and Barnes had some awesome turnout on Thursday. I think a lot of people liked that. Um, we previewed the wild card round uh, right before they started. So on Monday, we usually do it on Tuesday. But because the divisional rounds are starting on Tuesday, on Monday at 7 p.m., we will be hosting our Twitter space, Doug and Barnes Show. Uh, like I said, we had an awesome turnout. We had people saying all sorts of stuff, who they're going to, who what they want to win. We're going to be doing it again for the divisional round. So that's going to be exciting. Um, we had a bunch of new people on our podcast. So come join us tomorrow, 7 p.m at Bleacher Brawl on Twitter. All right, guys, we're going to go to our first pitch, and I want to know what's going on with everyone. John, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, good weekend. I haven't talked to you guys last. Talked to Derek on Thursday, Barnier and Doug on Wednesday. Luke, it's been a whole week. Uh, good to see you guys. Had a great day today. Celebrated Uncle Alan's 75th birthday. Um, got to watch some football. And unfortunately, tomorrow I'm going to SeaWorld with my wife, uh, my family, my wife's friend and her kids and her husband, who's just going to go on and on and on the entire time about how Otani should be the MVP. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, damn right. We're all going to SeaWorld tomorrow. Um, so uh, Oh, you're going too, Luke? Oh yeah. That's what oh, that's nice. who he's that's who he's talking about. Our families are going to SeaWorld uh in San Antonio tomorrow. So uh nice. it's a hell of a place to go for the kid with the kids, but I don't know that it's gonna be the greatest place to go on Columbus Day when it's not super hot out anymore. So we're probably gonna be spending uh, a lot of the day um standing in lines but it'll, it'll wipe the kids out good and proper. 
Uh, I um, mean, that's what you always want. <laughs> but and uh, the next uh, part of my series and talking about crazy ass Texas youth football uh, happened uh, yesterday because there was a some some kid on the team. So my daughter's a cheerleader and she cheers for the sixth grade uh, boys uh, football team. And one of the uh, and one of the one of the boys on our football team uh, hit one of the no, one of the boys on the other football team hit one of the boys on our team a little harder than some of the parents would have liked. And mm-hmm. so some of the some some of the parents on our side, you know, chirped a little bit. And then one uh one couple uh in particular on the other side just started losing their minds at, about it and started cussing. Um, somebody on our side said, watch your mouth, and they thought they said shut your mouth. And so then they started dropping more F-bombs and said, no, shut your mouth. I am not going to shut my mouth. And the other one saying, nobody told you to shut your mouth. And then it was, it escalated to the point where um, the couple on the other team side was actually yelling in the closing moments while they were winning. Uh, they shut out our team, but uh, in the closing moments, uh, the, the dad was yelling, um, hit them hard, make it hurt at about <laughs> saying that to a bunch of sixth grade boys hoping that he would hurt the sixth the other sixth grade boys so that's uh kind of our, our, my second glimpse into youth football in texas hey that's a good segue uh we'll put a tweet <laughs> out tomorrow uh do you guys have any you know uh any listeners have any uh you know crazy umpire or like irate fat you know moms and dads in the stands uh let us hear about it at bleacher brawls and maybe we'll we'll write something up about it uh i think barnes used to be a a, a male cheerleader with with, with you know it, it, uh, where all the other you know cheerleaders are, are girls how, how was that barnes uh i was unofficially officially <laughs> a cheerleader Wow. But I, I was from the, the stands. I was definitely riling up the fans in the stands because, you know, the cheerleaders on the sides are like, you know, like, let's, they got their pom poms, they're waving them, and they got these like really lame chants. And I'm like, oh, what the hell is this? But hearing that story about parents like yelling it, a uh, quick story is I was in high school and I was at our high school basketball game where I didn't play, I was cheerleader from the stands. And my my friends are playing, and there's this kid on the opposing team, and he, you know his, his name was uh, we can bleep out his name for, you know, whatever reasons. Maybe he doesn't want to be shamed here on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> but his backstory is his father played in the NBA, and his father, right. you know, you're like, oh wow, he played in the NBA. But if you Google search. Uh, Michael Jordan, maybe you've heard of him, his best <laughs> dunks of all time. Yeah, one of his dunks is on his dad. And anyway, our our guy, our team is giving that kid the business, and his dad's like, Come on, son. Yeah. And I'm like, Yeah, come on, son. Like, and I'll and like I know what I'm doing. I'm 16. I know what I'm doing. I'm being a dick. And the dad and I start like shouting at each other. And next thing I know, I look at him, I'm like, there's a 40-year-old man just yelling at me right now. I was like, are we, like, are we really doing this? And it was just really funny. I probably deserved it. Uh, the father's name is uh, Trapuca. <laughs> so uh, little Trapuca, if you somehow hear this, your dad almost punched me. And uh, he's a coward. 
and he got dumped on by MJ. So how did his balls taste? Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Great to see you guys. If Derek, he punched you, oh. if he punched you, he was an NBA player. So that would have been a, that would have been a nice payday you could have gotten yeah. out of that. Yeah. I know. I was really trying to get a rise out of him. You didn't antagonize him enough. If you, that little bit more might have might have <laughs> might have gotten him over the line. Yeah. My question is: Does he get royalties off like any pictures of the dunk that Michael Jordan has over him? I'm uh, pretty sure he would have to. Probably not, because MJ's like. Absolutely not. <laughs> you you really think MJ is sharing that glory? I took it personally that he even tried to block me. <laughs> All right, let's hear from Derek. What's up, man? Not much. Uh, I actually have a wacky instant. I was actually on the player side of it though, where um we were in a. I remember when I was in little league, I was I think thirteen, and we were in a, a ten. We're in, the game ended up going ten innings. We were in the bottom of the ninth and it was a uh seven uh it was normally set played seven innings we were in the bottom of the ninth and two outs runner on third sharp one hopper got hit at me bobbled it but i made the play because and i heard all the other parents going crazy so on the way back to the dugout i gave them a shush and shush them then um i hit second in the top of the tenth uh got on base got all the way to third uh, then scored the eventual winning run on the sack fly, flexed on the opposing parents, and gave them the double bird. Nice. <laughs> I didn't I get ejected. Believe, I don't believe you did any of this. <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah. Well, so that happened. Um, and then we ended up winning, and then and then I got yelled at by the other coach, uh, team's coaches. And I said, I just said, F off. I just said, F off, go home. Um, but – yeah, I had I, I had some crazy moments on the field. I was a little a uh, little bit like Manny Machado, a little hot headed at times, um, but not doing good. Uh, no Red Sox games to watch this week, unfortunately. So uh, that kind of sucks. But uh, I'm making the best of it, rooting for the Mariners and the Padres. Now that the Cardinals are out, um, I took the Padres as my team on this. So someone else could get the Cardinals. And I think that decisions worked out well so far. Yeah, so I was the one who took the Cardinals. And um, if you heard our Thursday Doug and Barnes show, every single Bleacher Brawls member took the Cardinals to beat the Phillies. But we know that didn't happen. Barnes? Barnes is here with the recap of the Cards and Phillies series uh what what more to say than it was just like a disappointment and it, it stinks to see that like Pujols and Molina and Wainwright aren't moving on to the next like just past the wild card round I think that's what we all want I hit I, I hit a tweet that was like hey retweet if you want to see Pujols hit a home run in the playoff like just hit a home run like that would have been awesome like it just stinks that you're gonna see you know a first ballot hall of famer you know probably you know, Pujols definitely. Does Yadier Molina make it to the Hall of Fame side sidebar? Uh, John, what do you think? Yadier Molina, Hall of Famer, yes or no? Oh, absolutely. I think just he defensively, he's been one of the best catchers of all time. I He's a Hall of Famer in my book. Uh, Luke? Yeah, I would say so, definitely. He's got three rings, doesn't he? Something like that. Derek? Uh, he's got two rings, um, and yes, Shut he's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> Doug, 
Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. It's so it, it's just like, hey, you're seeing two Hall of Famers, like, you know, they're going to go out like this. You know, game one, which uh, if you listen to the old Doug and Barnes show, my guy, Jose Quintana, I thought he was pitching really well. And then Helsley just screwed it up for the Cardinals. He just screwed it. Like one guy, you know, he lets up a single, a couple walks, and like next thing you know, the Phillies put up a six spot in the ninth inning. And I'm like, what the hell just happened here? Like, wh- like what just happened here? Then they then they lose, you know. Then then they go to game two, and it just seemed like St. Louis couldn't do anything. They had uh, what was it, seventeen left on base, you know, like runners left on base. Like that's not winning baseball, right there. Seventeen left on, seven hits in the game, and you just couldn't like push a runner across. Like I don't, yeah. I they just couldn't get it done. And you know what? Shout out to the Phillies. I uh, I hate your fan base, um, <laughs> but hey, good. Congrats. You moved on to the next round. That lineup is really deadly. You know, their pitching is not too shabby either. I got a lot of Red Sox vibes uh, from the Cardinals uh, in the, in that series. Uh, So first of all, you got Hells, you got uh, Jake Diekman, Hansel Robles vibes from uh, that performance uh, by Helsley in the ninth inning. Uh, Apparently he had a cut on his finger a couple days before I don't know how, if your command's that off because of an injury, I don't see how you're not feeling that in the bullpen. So that may be an excuse. Using, I think he just lost his head, which can happen in the playoffs. Uh, but how do you not take him out after he gives up that first hit and then walks the next guy? I think he goes 2-0 on the next guy, and you got to take him out in that situation. Um, and um, I also got some Red Sox vibes from what seven hits 17 runners left on base no runs you know those very 2022 Red Sox ish um, but I I had a question so I saw this somebody was somebody on Twitter was saying this somebody who says good stuff most of the time but he said so in that in game one so the Cardinals it's two to one there's the bases loaded with one out the Cardinals bring the infield in to face Gene Segura and so the infield comes in, the guy hits a hard ground ball, goes off Edmonds glove, dribbles into right field, two run score. They end up losing the game. They end up getting more runs. They end up losing the game. So he was saying, how do you not have the infield back uh, in that situation with the bases loaded up by a run with one out in the playoffs, as if you should be playing for the tie, just, you know, go for two. If you don't go to get two, then, oh, well, the game's tied. You try to win it in the bottom of the ninth. I think in that situation, you've got to bring the infield and do whatever you can to maybe get that second out. Um, so I was curious what other people might think about that. Uh, as the resident couch coach, I do think that that's probably the right move is bringing the infield in. Uh, you know, it. Tommy Edmund more often than not makes that play. Like, I, I don't know. Like, Hey, like he, he makes that play typically. And that's, you know, it's just the one it's the off chance that he doesn't make the play. And I think he got, you know, pooped on a little bit, but I think that's the right move. You know, if you play him back, like you're definitely, you definitely don't have a shot at the double play there. You know what I mean? On that ball, especially like it might be so, in the hole. Even. Yeah, like, I, I think that was the right move. I, I mean, John, what do you think about it? Yeah, I, I really would have played the infield in because you yeah. can't play for a tie in a playoff game. Like, what kind of like thought process is that? 
And that's what I was saying. The guy tweeted four things that he couldn't believe. Well, four notes or whatever. Three of them made sense. And he said, how can you get caught playing the infield in in that situation? <laughs> like, what kind of loser, like, loser mentality is that? Like, what if you play the guy back, you get the out, you get the ground ball, they get the guy at second, but Segura beats out the throw to first. And then where are you at? How do you explain that to your fan base after that? Like, you know, you didn't pull the infield in and try and cut down the guy at home. Oh, that was just something that struck me so i was thinking maybe i'm crazy and maybe the prevailing thought is you should be you should be playing back because you can because you get last ups in the bottom of the ninth but yeah Yeah, it's it's a bad way to go out for the season yeah how i how i saw i saw it as you should put the corners in and play the middle infielders halfway where so essentially to me there's like four depths in the infield you have them back like normal depth then you have double play depth halfway and then play them all the way in. I would have played them halfway and said, okay, you at least, you know, depending on where the ball is, if it's hit more up the middle, you have the opportunities to turn two up the middle. But you're there, but they're still not all the way back where you can't come home with the balls, you know, hit, you know, right at you anyways. You still can easily go home with it. Um, even if it's hit a little bit to the side, you still have the opportunity to go home. Um, as well. I just think going halfway up the middle infield gives more options, but you definitely, I don't think you can play your infield back there at all. I get the idea of playing halfway bugs me out because growing up, I used to hate playing halfway. I played second base and then it's just, all right, the ball's hitting. And then before the you get to the ball, before you're thinking about making the play, you're thinking, all right, don't do the wrong thing. Do I go for, do I go to second or do I try and get the guy at home? It's just too much thinking, more chance to screw things up. I think it depends on where the ball's hit, though. I think if the ball's hit up the middle. Exactly. You got to be thinking while the ball's on the ground before you. Well, you you don't have to think. It's something that you decide pre-play. It's a ball takes me up the middle towards second. You're going to roll two. If it takes you away from second or it's hit right at you, you go home. That's some some good insight there. Um, I know there was a lot of questions about. the, the manager, Oli Marmol, who, you know, Quintana was dealing and, you know, they took him out and maybe an inning too early to where you used your, you used your, your guys up, um, you know, your, your go-to bullpen guys up in the seventh, eighth inning and, and then ninth inning you're going with, you know, um, what do you guys think? Should Quintana have, I know Barnes is going to say yes, probably. Uh, yeah, he's not in his head. Uh, I thought that was strange. The last guy he got out was Schwarber, I think, right? And he K'd him. He was still looking good. I mean, I think you got a pitcher like that as your starting pitcher. I know it's not a big lead, but you got – what? how many options you got in the bullpen that are better than him right then? Two, and one of them didn't pan out. Yeah, but it's only the what the sixth inning at that point, or was it the seventh? Yeah, it was the, uh, sixth, it was the inning. sixth inning that they took him out. They went to Jordan Hicks uh, for two thirds of an inning, then they went to Gallegos, and then uh, Helsley. Yeah, I'm an old, I'm I'm more old school as far as that goes. I'm not like ride the starting pitcher until he loses it for you, but you know, it's the sixth inning. He's your ace. You know, keep let him keep dealing. Yeah, yeah, he was only at seventy five pitches. Ah. Oh. Yeah. He cashed so, him. He Kevin cashed him. And I, I love Jordan Hicks too. I love Jordan Hicks. He's one of my favorite uh, pitchers in the big leagues. But yeah, I would have kept Quintana in there, even with Hicks coming out of the bullpen. I really think when these things happen, I really think it's the manager covering their butt 
and saying, well, oh, I did what the numbers tell me to do. So if it goes wrong, you they don't take the blame. Um, it's not the way to manage, but I sometimes like I think that has to be the only explanation of why you would do that in that scenario. Yeah, no, it makes sense, you know, especially if you got someone from higher telling you the numbers and you're like, hey, you need to play the numbers here, you know, and it's like that's where we need to go back to like i like the old school baseball a little bit to where you know play by feel and uh you know just didn't didn't seem like uh it didn't work out so you gotta find the right mix between the two but you're a baseball guy you're a manager you've been in the in the big league game for like 20 years or so probably in one fashion or another you know, you got to trust your baseball instincts, you know, at, at a point like that. If it's the eighth inning, that's a different story. But, I mean, come on, you know what your guy can do. Yeah, you got to, as a manager in the new age analytics, you got to figure out how to balance both of them, you know, because they are both good schools of thought while managing. But, you know, now you have talking heads up, up above you, and it's like, well, which one do I listen to? Um Regardless, uh, at the end of the day, Phillies take two between um, uh, Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler, who had very, very good pitching performances. Um, you know, all I, I think all the Cardinals needed to do was win one of those games, and they would have gone game three, and they they would have I think they would have won game three because you know. I heard on so much on the radio today that the Phillies are, you know, a team built for a two game series, best of two game series. You know, I heard that so many times and it's like, well, uh, I guess we'll just see how they do in the divisional round. Um, They are taking on the Atlanta Braves. And I think, I know uh, our Bleacher Brawls crew wrote them off. It was unanimous that the cards were going to win completely wrote off the Phillies in this, uh, uh, in this series, are we completely writing them off again against the Braves? Yes. Yep. Yep. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it looks like the Phillies are the team to that need to prove themselves um, this year because they're they're you know they're nobody's giving them a, a chance in hell uh, this next upcoming series which starts on Tuesday. All right, uh, um, Mariners and Blue Jays, probably the most exciting game, one of the most exciting postseason games I can remember. Um, Luke, uh, I want to hear about some Mariners and Jays recap. Um, it. <laughs> I got to say, it just warmed my heart uh, yesterday seeing what happened. The, the, I mean, the... I don't spoiler alert, but the, the other AL East team that played uh, yesterday got eliminated as well. And I just thought that, that my season, as far as pure happy moments, I thought that ended for me baseball related, happy moments that ended for me at the end of the first half of the season. Um, but then you see the blue Jays and the Rays get eliminated in the same day. And the fact the, the Blue Jays going out like that 
at home was just made me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. It's not like, oh, the Blue Jays, the ALEs team, I hate them. I mean, I do, but it's that those guys, not even the all those guys, Alec Manoa and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. never sh- don't stop yapping. Alec Manoa always yapping on the mound, striking out guys like Franchi Cordero and Bobby Dahlbeck, and then chirping at them on their way back to the dugout and getting a walk-off hit, Guerrero getting a walk-off hit and screaming, this is my house, this is my house. I was always the kind of person, no matter what the competition is, I was never a smack talker just because what do you say? You start talking all this trash, then what do you say when – when it comes back to you, when the other team does good, you know, you lose afterwards. Then what do you, then you eat, you got to eat crow and just, but yeah, yeah, I got, you know, I, I, I wrote a check, my body, my mouth wrote a check, my body couldn't catch something like that. Um, or you got to be defiant or you got to do what the Blue Jays did, which is run and hide. I couldn't find a single quote about any of them taking accountability, uh, anything, saying anything after they lost. I, they must have just all cleared out of the dugout. Um, their bullpen, we, we all knew going into the season that their bullpen was the big issue for them uh, coming into the season, and it failed them yesterday, uh, just like we all thought it would. But the starting pitching failed them too, and that was supposed to be a huge strength for them. Manoa and Gosman were both unimpressive. Less than six innings pitched. They both gave up four runs. Um, and the Mariners, just you got to tip your hat off to the Mariners. Clutch hitting the uh, both games uh raw cal raleigh and carlos santana and adam frazier and jp crawford just uh stepped they all stepped up when they had to they're the most likable team in these playoffs i think uh and uh, it was really good to see the blue jays have to eat dirt at home in their house uh at the hands of a of a likable team like the mariners um and i, I was did anybody else realize how horrible Alejandro Kirk had been in the second half until uh, this weekend. Cause I saw his numbers. I saw his numbers. I remember before the all-star game, he was an all-star. He was hitting like 320 with like 13 home runs or something like that. And then I saw yesterday he's uh, this weekend, he's hitting 280. He finished the year hitting 285 with 14 home runs. He totally fell off the map in the second half. 248 in the second half. It's awful. I mean, it's hard to hold up as a catcher. Uh, Jose Trevino started pretty well this season. In his second half, just it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't anywhere near as good as his first half. Yeah, but they were DH in Kirk, though. I think that's a difference because uh, they were playing Danny Jansen a lot behind the plate down the stretch. And they had three they catchers. They, they had three catchers on their roster, so Kirk could DH, but he was hitting 250 the last three months of the season. <laughs> Yeah, but the, I I feel like the Blue Jays, like, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if it's stubbornness or whatever, but I feel like they needed to move their lineup around a little bit because having Kirk, who, yes, he's a good bat-the-ball skills, but, like, he's been struggling late in the year, like, maybe don't hit him clean up behind Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You know, maybe put someone else behind Vladimir Guerrero Jr. that might pose a bigger threat. Um, You know, maybe put... Uh, Tay Oscar Hernandez behind him instead of in the five spot, maybe move him up the spot or fi- like figure something else out. I feel like that could have been done. Yeah. Um, I know Derek 
so the Red Sox crew on Bleacher Brawls all picked uh, secondary teams because the Red Sox were eliminated and did not play in the postseason, obviously. Um, and Derek quickly uh, scooped up the Mariners, and I know he's just itching to talk about the Mariners. Yeah, I'm excited about this one. I'm wearing my Ken Griffey Jr. jersey tonight. I have my Mariners hat somewhere near me. Um, but, yeah, this Mariners team is probably the most fun team in the postseason. Uh, you got the uh, the big dumper um, with a bomb in game one. Uh, that's Cal Raleigh, if you don't know. Um, the guy who uh, Barnes was saying only hits home runs and Eugenio Suarez uh, had a couple doubles this series, um, was solid. Um, Carlos Santana with some timely hits. Um, Adam Frazier as well down in the, uh, I think, eight spot of the lineup um, in game one. And then pin, I think he pinch hit in game two. Um, yeah, just uh, – actually, sorry, no, the sixth spot in game two in that lineup. Yeah, the, this Mariners team just has it. Um, I want to give a shout-out to Andres Munoz out of the bullpen. Uh, game one was lights out, relieved uh, Luis Castillo in the eighth inning, went and got five outs, was amazing. Game two didn't have his best stuff, uh, but still got through the eighth inning without giving up a run. Uh, he's been lights out down the stretch for the Mariners. I picked them way back in – at the beginning of August in the bleacher and the bleacher bumps article um, about players on contending teams that are underrated. Um, talked about them again uh, last week on the Twitter spaces um, for someone who needs to step up for the play for each playoff team. And I'll just stepped up for the Mariners when they needed him to. Yeah. So um, if you guys missed last Tuesday's Doug and Barnes show, um, we all, we all picked we all picked right uh i picked cal rally and i think he was the mvp of the of the series uh home run in game one and I, that's all they needed that game and then game two and three for four while you know being a great catcher also um barnes you had suarez right he did pretty well and Derek said he picked uh, Munoz, and you just heard what he did. So, um, yeah, I I think I think we're getting good at predicting baseball, huh? Listen to the Bleacher Brawls. We know what we're talking about, guys. <laughs> I think Toronto is now one of those cities. They're they're the how would you describe it? They're the this just the city of devastation. You got. They, they, country they of lo- devastation. Yeah, well, <laughs> I guess the whole country you could say, but well, I mean, well, the Maple Leafs. Movie. The Maple Leafs had an epic, epic failure against the Bruins the last time they had a really good team uh, that was supposed to maybe win a Stanley Cup, and uh, lost lost a three one lead with like two minutes left in the fourth uh, third period or something like that, and now this. And what happened? I think what happened to the Blue Jays this weekend is karma for all those blue Jays fans trying to screw completely screw over the all-star voting, because at one point, I think all of the blue Jays one to nine in their starting lineup was leading in all-star votes at their position. Well, this is what you get. So the baseball gods came back to, to really hurt you bad. That's I said with the Cardinals, that's a rough way to, to end your season. This is off. This is an awful way to end your season. 
Yeah, when you're up eight to one in any game, like eight to one, and then Carlos Santana that game. Gosman Gosman came out and it was still it was manageable. And then Santana hits that clutch two out home run, and then that collision that the little blooper with the bases loaded and Bichette and Springer looked like they killed each other out there. Um, and also George Springer, he was a guy I never really liked with the Astros. I felt like he was one of those guys who never kept his mouth shut, but uh, I think he's just really loud on the field and intense when he's playing. Cause I, or you just put him on a team where Manoa and Guerrero are always squawking and he, maybe he just blends in with the, uh, into the background there. Cause they're sucking up all the air out of the room, but yeah, um, he went, he went two for three the first night and you know, they scored zero runs and it was a combined as, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. No, never mind. That's a different game. Uh, went two for three the first night mm-hmm. on Friday. And uh, I think did, didn't really factor into the game at all. Uh, went over four. And so. Bichette gave him the Tito Santana flying forearm. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. a team that really took on like the identity of the fan base. Michael K has said on his radio show so many times that the Toronto fans are the absolute worst fans. Like they treat people terribly, like spit on you, like very hostile. And that team is just full of guys like that. And it's been like that for a while. Like they were like that when they had uh, that team was the last time they were good when it was Bautista and Donaldson. And those guys were both jerks. And Bautista actually got my buddy Nick kicked out of Yankee Stadium. So like I've never liked that guy. <laughs> and you wanna you, you wanna talk about how a poverty franchise. So they're facing elimination in their home stadium. And who do they bring out to what legend do they bring out to throw out the ceremonial first pitch? Vernon Wells. Oh, <laughs> oh that's a name I haven't heard in forever. Yeah. Toronto was probably the least enjoyable um, stadium I've been to only because like when we went, it was like the sixth inning or something and there's nobody there. So we are like trying to move down seats and the guy just wouldn't let us. And he goes, well, if we let you move down, yeah, everyone else should be able to move down too. I was like, dude, there's nobody here. And he goes, nope, you got to go back to your seat. I was like, well, I'm never coming back here. <laughs> that happened to me at Fenway once. Really? Yeah. I still went back. <laughs> that's, that's why I love my Orioles. <laughs> yeah, because no one shows up. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that game two may have been one of the most exciting postseason games in recent history. Um, a close second of this year's postseason was game two of the Guardians and Rays, uh, that went 15 innings. Um, and like pitching, man, it. It, I mean, we knew that one was going to come down to pitching, starting pitching and bullpen, and it did not like there was no fault in that game on anyone, right? Um, the raised batters didn't show up, but is, is that a knock on the raised pitchers or raised batters, or is that just praise for the Guardians uh, pitchers because they, they, they were nasty? They were nasty. Um, and I picked the Guardians as my postseason team um they win two games against the rays the rays do nothing 
and the Guardians get to go on to New York to fight uh, to face John and Barnes's team, which I think the Guardians are going to sweep them. Wow. I got the Guardians to sweep the Yankees. But we'll talk about that. Oh. Little preview of what we're going to talk about on uh, tomorrow on the Doug and Barnes show. Um, so I, I, I do got, want to get this out there. Um, a little sidebar here. I've always been irked and annoyed by the ghost runner. Right. And then we get into the postseason and that rule's gone now. Right. And I think it's done next year too. Right. I think it's done moving forward. I don't know about that. Right. All right. We don't know. I know they were discussing it, but we don't know uh, for sure. I hope it is because it was so enjoyable. You don't have to worry about some idiot on that gets automatically gets to go on second base. Like that's just dumb to me. And I'm glad, like, if you're not going to do it in the postseason, why do it at all? Like if it's if it's important enough not to do in the postseason, it should be not important enough to do. It's to save pitching. That's the only reason. Because they because if a team blows their bullpen in one game just to try and win it, like their bullpen can be messed up for the next two three weeks. That's the only reason why. I get it, but it's like I, I just like it I makes just, sense, but the games are less enjoyable. Yeah, right. I you're right. Um, what do you guys see from? the guardians and rays series a lot of pitching not a lot of hitting a lot of good defense um <laughs> that's about it and uh oscar gonzalez with with the uh, spongebob theme song <laughs> that's the one big thing i remembered from the series uh um, there, there wasn't much in that series i'm not gonna lie it was just dominant pitching um all around and great defense I Oscar love Gonzalez. seeing the Rays lose. Yeah. I hate that stadium so much. Or you can't call it a stadium; it's a park. I hate that place. I'm so glad the Rays lose. They don't deserve to win playoff games. I am. I don't think the. I hope anyway that Cleveland doesn't sweep the Yankees, but it's going to be a tough matchup. Cleveland's got some really good pitching, so I'm worried about that. Um, it's going to be really, really tough. But I'm just glad the Rays lost. Like in the moment right now, not worrying about what's to come. Very happy the Rays lost. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement here on that. <laughs> eh, I don't really care. But wouldn't you rather wouldn't you rather the Yankees play the Rays though? Um, I guess so. Like in a sense, like I hate playing that game because like whenever you say, Oh, I would rather play this team, a lot of times you end up losing that game. I, I don't like playing that game. I'm, I think both are match up really well against the Yankees, and both would be a tough series. Uh, Cleveland's probably better, but like I said, it's just in the moment. It's great to see Tampa lose. They're both similar matchups. They're both pitching and defense teams. Um, the the like the Rays have Wander Franco. I know he's had a rough year and whatever, but he's kind of like their star guy. The the Guardians have Jose Ramirez. Um, the Rays have a bunch of solid pieces around Wander Franco. The Guardians have a bunch of solid pieces around Jose Ramirez. Um, both have both teams are younger. I know the Guardians are the youngest team in baseball. The Rays aren't the youngest team, um, but they still have a decent amount of young pieces around there. So they are somewhat similar teams. Yeah, and who would have thought that Jose Ramirez would factor into this series? Uh, with the big two-run home run in game 
One right after um, Jose Siri hit a home run off of Bieber. Uh, Jose Ramirez comes comes right back the next inning and hits a two run home run, and that's all that that's all that that game needed. And then a, a one nothing walk off win in the fifteenth inning uh, for the Guardians in Game Two. Uh, and yeah, we'll see. We'll see the Guardians travel to Yankee Stadium and play them in Game One of the Division Series on Tuesday. And so, if anyone's looking for a reason to hate the Guardians even more, like for all the small market team stuff they've been they cry about, the family that owns them, the Dolan family, has more money than the Steinbrenners. Like the family is loaded; they're an extremely rich team. So for them to cry for years about how poor they are and always have a bottom level payroll it's pretty sickening just they're an easy team to hate i just i mean could game one have possibly got, game one literally went exactly how the guardians would have drawn it up yeah we got shane pitt bieber going eight innings you know locked out pretty much lockdown innings and you got jose ramirez their star offensive player hitting a two-run homer to provide all the offense. And then you got Emmanuel Class Day coming in at the end to slam the door. It's it's exactly how the Guardians drew up winning playoff games. Um, just that's a lethal pitching staff to have to to have to uh go on to face in the ALDS. So I'd I'd be worried if I were Yankees fans. And that bullpen, when you got so when you got a one-two like Bieber and Tristan McKenzie. And then you hand the ball off to a lunatic like Karen Jack. And then after him, you got Trevor Stephan. And then after him, you got class a that's that's it's so extremely hard to score runs. Like that's an intimidation factor right there. All they got to do is I judge isn't going to see a strike all series. <laughs> so uh, the Yankees ha- are going to have to figure out some other way to score runs. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens with Judge. And I got to give it up to Cleveland. I got to give it up to Cleveland. They have a better manager. Uh, They shouldn't say they're a better manager than the Yankees. They have a really good manager in Terry Francona, respectable guy. And if if Terry Francona had been the manager of my team, I never would let him go just to end up with Alex Cora. So i just like to point that out, that Terry Francona's team is still in it and Alex Cora's team is not. To be what fair, if he they managed- got rid of Terry Francona for John Farrell, not Alex Cora. They got rid of Farrell for Alex Cora, to be fair. Um, but what the if, big, hold on, the hold big- on, real quick, real quick. What if Aaron Boone managed a team that that lost like a 12-game lead or whatever it was in the last month of the regular season? Would you want him back the next year? Uh, if he won the first World Series in 86 <laughs> years, give him a job. Yeah, for life. I think I'd give him a little <laughs> job bit of for life. life. Okay, but okay, but uh, let's move on from that for half a second. Does anyone want to guess what the big theme of the series besides pitching was? Relief or, pitching. No. Whoever hits home runs wins. No. Time of game. Oh yeah, it was like two and a half hours. It was less than the, two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah, it, the the time of game for both games was like stupidly fast. The first game, uh, obviously, just nine innings, two hours and seventeen minutes. The the uh, final game, the final game, the second game, fifteen innings, four hours and fifty seven minutes. Yeah, that's, that's almost two games. <laughs> yeah, that's almost two games in five hours. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I, th- that's what the pitch clock's going to try and do, essentially. take Get rid of all the garbage in between pitches and speed it up. We, I imagine we had a pitch clock for that, for those two games. Those things would have been hour and a half and yeah, three hours. But, but But that's a good reason why we don't need the pitch clock because teams are already doing it anyway. That's that's my well just the pitching dominant teams because they don't have to worry they don't have guys who have to sit on the mound for 30 seconds when there's a runner on base. Yeah. Because they don't allow guys on base. All right. Um moving on this game just went final. Uh if you're listening in the morning, you know on Monday morning um it has just gone final. And Derek's going to tell us all about it because he's the only one, even though all of our brackets are already busted, Derek still got this one right when all the other Bleacher Brawls guys got it wrong. And he's going to let us know about it. The San Diego Padres have beaten the 101 win New York Mets. Uh, The Mets are going to met, right? Uh, You know, all their rally towels saying these Mets yeah, th- those Mets. Those are the Mets that you uh, roll out there to uh, win 101 games just to get beaten by the Padres in the wild card round. Um, it was just a good performance from the Padres. I mean, game one, uh, you go out there and you just you they they put the baseball world on notice. Not that people didn't know they had the talent, but they did have some struggles. And in game one was like, uh, uh-uh, we're not just gonna roll over for this Mets team. Um, Jerks and Profar had a massive game from the leadoff spot. Um, Josh Bell with that homer in the first really set the tone. Um, Hassan Kim had two hits. Uh, Trent Grisham with his homer. Austin Nola had a hit at the bottom of the, the bottom of the order, and that's going to be a theme in this series for the Padres. That bottom of the order was uh, hitting very well. Game two, uh, the Mets came back. Uh, Blake Snell struggled a lot. He walked six guys in three and a third innings. Uh, that's kind of that's really where the game got away from the Padres. And then they brought in um then they brought in Adrian Morihone in the sixth inning, I think it was. Uh walked two guys, gave up two hits, gave up four runs, didn't get an out. Um yeah, that was not that wasn't good for the Padres. And that's really where they lost that game. That any shot winning game, it went out the window as soon as Morihone came in the game. Um but and then you go to uh, game three, though, which just wrapped up literally like 10 minutes ago. And once again, it was the bottom of the order for the Padres getting the job done. Obviously, uh, Soto had two hits, Machado had two hits, but look at the bottom of the order. Hassan Kim, uh, 0 for 1, but three walks, gone on base three times. Uh, Trent Grisham, two hits. Um, he also got a walk, got on base three times. Actually, and he got hit by a pitch, got on base four times. And Austin Nola had two hits. Um, in two RBIs. Um, Trent Grisham had homers against both Scherzer and DeGrom. Um, and then the Padres pitching game three, uh, the Padres with the combined one hitter, Musgrove going seven innings. Um, then Suarez and Hayter closing it out from the bullpen, uh, just giving up the one hit in nine innings of baseball. Um, yeah, couldn't have had a better game three for the Padres. Yeah. Max Scherzer got bullied in game one. He got absolutely bullied. Uh, I don't think anyone saw that coming that bad. <laughs> uh, four home runs off off of Scherzer. Um, that, that's just not what you expect. So, you know, pitching fails them, and uh, the Padres go on to win, and they will face the Dodgers. Uh, reactions, guys? 
remember in spring training scherzer went out i think he made one spring training start the whole spring and he went like seven (laughs) no hit innings and he was throwing his hardest and uh the 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 thing people were saying was oh maybe he should save himself a little bit for the end of the season i'm not talking about spring training per se but he's getting a little up there in years and maybe i don't know maybe it's not the best idea to spend 43 million dollars for a single year of a pitcher who throws hard who's got a lot of mileage on his arm because at the end of the year it could bite you pitchers who throw really hard can wear down uh, at the end of the season and he's I, I was really really surprised I know how good the Padres offense was but I was really surprised he got teed off like that and Bassett uh, didn't do all that much better uh, the the Mets were uh, starting pitching was supposed to be the the strongest part of their game and they the starting pitching didn't have it DeGrom did uh, he did so well Buck Showalter gave him a shocker at at the end uh, but he, the other two guys, they didn't do I'm That's exactly what was not supposed to happen to the New York Mets. And it happened. The Mets got outpitched and they were supposed to be built to have those top three starters and bring it all the way to that back end of the bullpen with Ottavino, who almost blew game two. Let's put that out there. Ottavino almost blew game two. And then uh, Edwin Diaz at the back end. But it's not like he got outpitched the way the Rays got outpitched. Scherzer and Bassett sucked, and that is was not supposed to happen to these Mets. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It's one of those things where you you, like you look at this Mets team, you're like they have all the pieces they need, but they just didn't mix right. There was something, something went wrong. Um, I think, I think really where it started to go wrong for the Mets was when they got swept by the Cubs. Uh, I think that was in September. Um, but like you get swept by the Cubs, and then. You know, then at the end of the season, you get swept by the Braves and Scherzer, DeGrom, Bassett are pitching in those three games and they don't pitch good at all. Um, and I'm pretty sure those were their last three start, the, the last start of the season for each of those three. Uh, it's not a good look for the Mets heading into next year. They got to figure out what they're going to do with DeGrom. Are they going to resign them? Because they're probably, if they do, it's going to be a massive deal. They still have Scherzer um, on the books for the next two years at 43.3 million. Uh, a year um, and I think they still have a couple other guys they got to resign Edwin Diaz Brandon Nimmo they got guys that they got to figure out what to do with one thing yeah. that kind of might take away was everyone was being so surprised that Scherzer had such a bad outing but that was a question mark when they signed him he finished last season with a pretty bad outing or two or finished the season pretty weakly uh, and that was because he said he was gassed at the end of the season. So I don't know why they didn't see it coming this year. And even sometimes you have to save a guy from himself. Like what they should have done maybe was shut Max Scherzer down for a couple of weeks there, or just miss skip a start, go light, you know, a couple games there, you only go five innings, you know, keep your pitch count down. And if I believe it's a two-year deal, I think he's still going to be back next year. They no, got to figure deal. out a way to keep him rested going into the postseason because I do think the Mets will be back in the postseason again next year. Yeah, that's three years. It's three years, not two. You know, all the Mets needed to do was win one more game, knock it or knock it or not get swept by the Braves. And they'd be sitting in a in a uh first round buy it right now. Um so this 
brings me to my next point. I'm going to get candid responses from all of you. We did not go over this in our pre-pod meeting. Should, let me preface it with, I think MLB got this format right. You know, first two seeds have a have a bye, and then we see two three-game wildcard series on each side, and then the winners of those go on and play the um, the the teams who got the buys. Should the should the postseason so the third division winner got the third seed no matter what? Should MLB next year change it to reseed um, after the playoff teams are set. So what I mean is the Mets would have gotten the third seed because they had the third best record. And then they play the Phillies this year, and then maybe they win. What do you guys think? I, I have a take on this, right? I Well, first, with the schedule changes next year, you can't change it next year. You have to see how that plays out because um, it's supposed to be a more balanced schedule next year. Mm-hmm. But I don't think a division winner should can be lower than the fourth seed. They have to have the, a home series and the wild card. Even if they only win 80 games, if they win their division, they should be at least a top four seed so they can at least get a, a home series for the wild card round because that's only fair because they won their division. So you don't totally lose the winning the division means something because you'll get a, you'll at least get a home uh, series in the wild card round. But, you know, if a wild card team has a better record than them, you know, maybe that wild card team should have the third seed over them. But I don't even think that's the big problem with this format. I think more of the problem is I think the team should be reseeded entering the division series. I think the Phillies should have to play the Dodgers and the Padres should have to play the Braves. Um, and then in the American League, Cleveland uh, still would play the Yankees and um, and the Mariners would still have to play the Astros. I don't like the idea of reseeding. I I think you seed it once at the beginning. It's a tournament. I guess I just like tournaments. I like brackets. I like that whole thing. Um, I just think you should seed once at the beginning to determine where you go in the tournament. And then there's brackets, and everyone can see ahead of time what's going to happen, who plays where, who plays who if they win, and everything. I just like that. The the problem I have with the four, I love the four. I love two out of three game series. Um, that's, that's what baseball is. It's what 75% of the season is you're playing three, three game series and you're trying to win two out of three. I think that's perfect. Only thing is I think each team should get a home game. And I know it's kind of a logistical nightmare to play one game in one stadium, then travel to the other team stadium. And then if each win one, you travel back to the first stadium again, but I think each team should get a home playoff game and then all right each one won then whoever's the higher seed uh gets the home field advantage in the rubber match uh but i don't like the whole reseeding idea i agree with luke uh, as far as like the brackets are concerned i love brackets i love knowing who's gonna play whoa, out to who, whoa, so i'm not a fan time of reseeding time out, at all. time out time out time time i'm out he said it not me luke? i didn't say it <laughs> <What> <laughs> it happens sometimes it does happen occasionally in this scenario i agree with that but not 100%, because I completely disagree with uh, going back and forth between stadiums. I think the higher seeded team in that three-game series, it play, it's played at that stadium, and that's it. If you want to play a game at your stadium, win more games. So from that stance, I just still disagree with Luke, all right? So the world 
you know, oh, the world's so still okay. right. But I, I don't, I like the brackets, not a fan of receding. And I do like this format where you're playing at one stadium and that's it. Yeah. Can, Sorry, I, can, I, say, I, forgot... can I say on the, uh... no, hold on, hold on, hold on one second. The other problem I had, I don't like that. So the Yankees and the Astros and the Braves and the Dodgers, they're going to have what five, six days off um, between the end of the season their season, their regular season, and their first playoff game. I don't like that because I don't think that's an advantage. I think you get two games off. That's an advantage. There's an advantage for you. Reset the pitching and everything. Give everyone a couple of days. You go in. You've been playing every day, six or seven days games a week for the past six months. Then you're going to take a week off before the games start to get the most important. I think you totally get out of your head as a hitter. You get out of your routine as a pitcher. I don't think that I, I think they got to figure out a way to make this go quicker so that the highest seeds don't have to wait so long and get all screwed up mentally. Yeah, I agree. I don't like that either. I think that much time off is not an advantage. Like you said, uh, they got to figure that out. Cause that is, that worries me about guys coming in cold, having too many days off. So, so the advantage for them is they get to start Garrett Cole game one whereas cleveland does not get to start shane bieber yeah they do yeah they will they'll start Bieber. i don't think so uh game one was on friday Friday. so saturday sunday monday three days that'd be four days rest three three days days. no that's three days rest yeah they could if they wanted to but but the cleveland still has uh they got their number three pitcher they go the number three pitcher and then they go bieber Yeah. yeah And Bieber could pitch in games two and game five yeah. still. So you're still going to get Bieber twice. The only thing is you admit you don't get McKenzie twice, but you're right. still going to have to get, um, I think, probably Savali twice. Yeah, probably Savali twice. Unless yeah. at least, yeah, it'll be Savali twice. Either way, that's that's the advantage is they're not starting. You know, the, the team who just won in the wild card is not starting their number one, where as the Yankees get two legitimate starts, in you know game one sets the tone right i i don't know what the stat is off my head but teams who win game one generally win the series right um and i'm just saying generally but um we know if the yankees didn't wasn't able to start garrett cole in game one you know if it's backwards and and the yankees are in the guardian spot where they don't get to start garrett cole game one that's a huge issue Wow. Yeah, uh, the only thing I do want to add on the whole stadium thing and switching stadiums, I don't think if I don't if you're the the uh, lower seed and you get one home game, that's almost an advantage because where's the home game gonna fall? If game one is away and then game two is home, then okay, well if we win game one, now we can win the series and we're at home. And even if we lose game one, well, cool advantage. We're at home and we can force game three. If game one is a home game and then the last two are away, now you can start the series off on the right foot and get a win potentially at home. And then if game three is the home game, then obviously, you know, well, that's the deciding game. I feel like it's too much. I feel like you kind of have to have it all at one stadium in a three-game series. I just feel like there aren't enough games to make it flip-flop between stadiums, especially considering the fact with, like, the whole scheduling thing and they have to trap, like, have have having teams travel across country twice um, in a three day and potentially across country in a three day span. 
Yeah. Um, could you imagine the ridiculous. Padres flying all the way to New York, mm-hmm. then flying all the way back to San Diego, San Diego. then, then all the way back, all to, the way back to New York, and now they got to fly to L.A. And then if they won, then they got to go all the way back again, and it's like, wow, that that's a lot. Yeah, I love it. It's the grind. Teams, it's the playoffs. You got to be a man. Not like that, to get through the though. Playoffs. Not like that, though. I think there, I think there's a difference because normally when there's travel day, like the team's got a travel day, like there wouldn't be a travel day. And if they made a travel day, then the wild card round's gonna last too long. Um, and, and if you're gonna have the three game format, you can't have it last more than three days. Um, the only thing is they should have had the wild card round start closer to the end of the season. That's the only. Uh, thing that they should have changed. Had the wild card round start closer to the season, um, because it started on Friday. The season ended what on Wednesday? No, I maybe you can't put it closer to the season. I don't know. The, I don't know how you figure it out, but they figure it out somehow. I don't know. Right. I'm not the schedule guru. I thought the wild card game. I was against having a wild card game. Just one game to decide playoffs, the play a playoff series. I didn't love that. As exciting as those games were and those stakes made it, I just thought it was not baseball. Love two out of three. And I I like two out of three and then three out of five and then win two, four out of seven game series. I, yeah. I, I like that progression of it all too. Let's make was, the World Series five out of nine. Oh God. <laughs> I was very opposed to adding a another what uh another postseason team because just seems like now they're just letting one more team in, but it, it actually worked out very nice and complete how they, how they did it in the logistics and of everything definitely changed my opinion in that. And I'm, I'm definitely in favor of it now. I feel so, the same I feel this felt the same way when I heard about it. And I feel the same way now it's better. Now it's more exciting. Now uh, it's, it's just more of a, it's more of a month long baseball celebration i guess plus just having you know both all of the games in one weekend like that's freaking cool you know there's there's always you know from 12 o'clock until 11 12 p you know noon until pretty much 12 p.m or a.m whatever you know you have baseball (laughs) yeah it's like a march madness kind of vibe to friday and saturday yeah, the only thing is, I think next year it's going to end up being in the middle of the week because the season normally ends on a Sunday. Just like March Madness. I'm well, yeah, but the, I feel like the weekend is better for baseball. Yeah. I don't know. That's just I mean, me. if I'm at work, you know, during, you know, that starts at noon, it's like, well, now I can't really watch it. Yeah. The only thing is that they have to compete with college football in the NFL. That's the only hey, take crappy a- thing about the weekends. But but what do you do during March Madness? You take a long lunch. You go to a you sneak down to a bar. You have a couple drinks. You come back no. pretend pretend you didn't drink. You sit on your in class and put it up on your phone and your laptop and you watch it in the middle of class. Sure, you yeah, you do that too. And you don't pay attention to what the heck's going on in class. All right. Well, it was an exciting wild card round. Most of us are in favor of the format. Um, we'll cover. More of it tomorrow on the Doug and Barnes show, but we have a couple of things before we sign off today. Um, we're going to have a, an NFL update from John. Yeah, it, I just want to say it was a great weekend for football. The Giants beat the Packers in London, now 4-1. and one. Uh, This team 
I, I, they're not Super Bowl bound, but they're moving up the ladder. They're finally moving in the right direction. It was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I'm sure Aaron Rodgers had a list of people to blame after the game of why it was not his fault that they lost. But overall, great game for the Giants. And then Saturday, Red River rivalry, Texas versus Oklahoma. Texas shuts out Oklahoma. The first time that's happened in forever, if ever. Um, Oklahoma looked terrible, and Texas looked fantastic. Uh, it's a great time. It's a great weekend for football. People were happy in my house all weekend long. Uh, so it really was good to see some two, a couple teams finally turning around and looking pretty good. Yeah, the, I, I, I think the whole football weekend this week has been, I mean, for us, has been a little overshadowed from baseball um, because you get the whole wild card craziness going on. But it, it, like it was a good week for football um, from the Patriots fan side of it. Uh, the they finally had a convincing win, sort of, kind of, maybe. Uh, depends on how you look at it. Because it was it a convincing was win against a really bad team. Yeah, it was the Lions <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, but I mean, Kyle Duggar had a scoop and score. Jack Jones has got another pick on defense. Um, they won without Mac Jones, so that's something. Uh, they're gonna have. I bet. I guarantee there's gonna be some stupid quarterback controversy in the next like three weeks. Because, you know, that's how it is. Um, but I think overall, um, I'm happy that the Giants won because that means Saquon Barkley did well for my fantasy team. Um, even though I could care less about the Giants, I just want Barkley to play well. And normally he plays well when the Giants win. Um, and over, overall, though, it was a good week. Um, although I am kind of upset the Buccaneers won. Uh, speaking of fantasy football... Um, we're going to get Commissioner Barnes in here to run down the Bleacher Brawls uh, update of the week. So not all the scores are totally in yet. However, there are a couple scores that are in, like my matchup with Luke, where I totally rained on him. It's not over yet. It's, it's not over yet. It's correct. <laughs> it's not over yet, technically, but it's over. Like, I'm just dominating you. Like, <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. I'll, maybe I'll screenshot it. We'll post it on the Twitter page. Check it out. I uh, It just feels good to be king uh, over Luke right now. Uh, a couple other uh, scores that are definitely in right now is um, Doug, the Orioles 2023 World Series champs, dominating only, the Bleacher Broads. Not only that, right, starting the season 0-3, beating Joey last week, Beating the Bleacher Broads this week in a, uh, I should, unless, uh, you know, Ryan uh, can score 120 points, uh, I'll have the top scoring week. So that's right. It, it, it took me two weeks, three weeks to figure everything out, but uh, I'm not going to lose another game all season. It's a, they got a great manager over there, unlike the Red Sox. So, hey, Orioles, you guys are doing great both literally in the MLB and the Orioles 2023 World Series champs team, Doug. And then huge shout out to Joey, who is going to get his first win of Woof. the year. He was 0-4 and he is <laughs> rushing John. John, what happened out there, buddy? Uh, I, I, I was Ryan. a disaster. I lost to Joey of all people. Um, it's an <laughs> embarrassment that I can never really truly ever come back from. 
I stink at fantasy football. I'm absolutely horrible. I, 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 there's no excuses. I mean, it's not over yet. Maybe Jamar Chase can put up 50 points for me in the fourth quarter. If anyone's going to do it, it'd be him. But yeah, I did. I, I, I suck, guys. <laughs> you heard it here first. John sucks. Uh, and Again, then lastly, if, if Travis the- Kelsey gets me an 80 spot, then I could still win. You could no, win. because I don't need Mahomes throwing for that many touchdowns, okay? That would be about, what, 16 touchdowns you'd have to I do? don't need that. And lastly, the reason our uh, typical Sunday night, Monday morning host isn't here, Patrick, is because he's crying over his <laughs> uh, pathetic loss. <laughs> and uh, that, that score is technically not over. He's ahead by a point, literally one point. But his opponent... Maximus the goat uh, still has uh, Josh Jacobs and Derek Carr to play. So Patrick, enjoy the night off. Enjoy your weeping. We'll catch you next week. (laughs) We're going to get to my matchup and how it's like, essentially I'm probably going to lose, but who knows? I might get lucky. It's not over. That's so I'm leaving it out right now. I totally threw this week. I was just like, eh, whatever. I'm throwing this week. You're no, no, why? Some, why would you look at my that? team? No, 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 you be quiet right now. You don't, no one ever, in, if you're listening and you made it this far into the podcast and you play fantasy football, if you ever hear someone say, I threw a week, that's the lamest excuse. No, it's go look at my team. Look, look at my team. Look who's starting my team. Yeah. What What about it? You didn't throw it. You just have Brian. I you just have right. everyone else on your yeah, bench it's, it's, it's out not, or suspended. <laughs> yeah, like I, I I don't know what you want me to tell you. Like, oh, like you could. I could have started no, Tyler you, Lockett, Geno Smith, and Jamar well, Chase, and well, I said, who was nah, the I'm going to trade them because who's the bonehead I'm going to trade and come back stronger next week. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> That's like the Red Sox through this year to come in last because they're going to come back strong next year. <laughs> yeah, not a chance. I've been slammed with injuries, but I wasn't. I didn't go into the week being like, "I'm just gonna lose this one." I'm, I'm just, I'm just gonna lose. Hey, take. Sometimes you gotta take a step back and take two steps forward. Okay. It's still net one step forward. Okay. All right. So there's your fantasy football update from Commissioner Barnes. Um, the last piece we have is Luke is gonna get angry about something. <laughs> I. <laughs> yeah, I got to charge the mound over something that was said on the Yankee show. I think it was John that said it, so it's mostly him, but Barnes and Doug both agreed with it, with it. So they have to take some accountability with this too. Um, so uh, they were talking about the, the judge versus Shohei Otani MVP argument and saying, well, look, the knock on judge is that what? He doesn't pitch, but he was a great pitcher in high school. How do we know he couldn't he couldn't ascend to the major leagues and be a great pitcher as good as Shohei Itani in the major leagues? But he wasn't allowed to. Be, the coaches at some point in his life made him choose uh, to stick with hitting or pitching to pick one. Well, the, the idea I find that frankly completely ridiculous. That's essentially the Al Bundy argument. He scored, he might've scored four touchdowns in one game as well, uh, playing court, playing quarterback or running back or receiver in high school, all of these guys in the major leagues, they were all nasty at all sports, 
growing up. They they all probably got 30 points per game in playing basketball too. But that doesn't mean they with the with the uh, geometric uh, rise in competition as you get from high school to college and then college to the minors and the minors to the major leagues. Like I get that in Japan, maybe that's more accepted for someone to be a pitcher and a hitter. But if somebody, even in high school or college, if somebody was pitching and hitting at that level and the people that were coaching him, the people that were helping him along progress saw that he had an eye for this at some point, somebody would have said, well, try doing both. You know, we haven't, nobody does that, but see how far it can take you. He could never have been a good pitcher in the major leagues. Come on. Hey, I was just a host. I don't know why you're lumping me. In. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, but they do stop him. I, I, you can't use the Al Bundy argument because he is, he is a professional athlete. He's not selling shoes. All right. He, he actually made it there. He has a cannon for an arm and he's a massive human being. Like I'm sure he could put some amazing spin on a ball. Nobody's going to let that happen. No coach is going to take that risk because when it goes wrong and it quite possibly can go wrong, we've seen Otani already get hurt in the short amount of time of him doing this. Like what happens if he slides in a second and hurts his shoulder? Like you're also increasing the risk for injury by allowing a player to hit and pitch. And when Otani came to the major leagues, the whole question was, is the team that signed him, is they gonna, are they going to make him pick one? Because the thought was that he might not even be allowed to do both in the majors. Like, it's working really well this year. It doesn't necessarily mean we haven't seen it play out over an extended period of time. And no coach is going to take that chance and say, here, I'll be the first guy to ever do this. Because when it does go wrong, he's going to be the one that get, gets fired. It's going to be his job. Like it's never happened because that's our culture. We're not going to let it happen. Like I know a couple of years ago, I was coaching my daughter's T-ball team and the assistant coach had a 10 year old son that was on a travel team and he was a pitcher. That was it at 10 years old. It was already decided that he was a pitcher and he, that was just what he was going to do. That's the way we do things now here in this country. And it's just not going to happen. No coach is going to let that happen. So it, I wasn't saying that Aaron judge would definitely be a good pitcher. I'm just saying, it never would he never would have even been given the chance. And I do think for the record he probably could have because I think he's amazing. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Let me throw in my like neutral side of this argument. Um, Jared Walsh, Angels first baseman, we all know who he is. Um, he made his MLB debut as a relief pitcher. And the Angels said after that, after I think it was 2018, he pitched five innings in September. And after that year, they said, nah, you're playing first base. Screw screw your pitching. We don't care. You're playing first. Like, they just said, nah, you're not pitching anymore. And, like, there's other cases, too. Like, a guy like Alex Verdugo. I know Red Sox fans, we brought it up. Also, too, because I've been pushing the let Verdugo pitch narrative. But, like, he was the number one ranked two-way player in his draft class, in his MLB draft class. And he got drafted by the Dodgers, and they're like, nah, like, choose one. Like, the top-rated two-way player in his draft class, and like, nah, you're doing one or the other. Like, you can't do both. And we want, and we would prefer you to play outfield and hit instead of pitching. Like, they, they just don't allow it. So even if, like, like if Otani came up through the U.S., like he would have probably stuck the one. Um, it's also too he's also a freak of nature, Otani. Um, there's no one like him as well. Well, you're not the person I was charging, Derek, first of all. And second of all, the idea that, oh, it's not fair to judge to say that was the whole thing. It's not fair to hold that against judge that he doesn't pitch. 
because he's because he probably could have pitched well. He pitched really good in high school. And the other you thing I want against judge, but you give Otani credit for doing it. Like, you know, it's not a knock on judge. It's more of a credit to Otani. Like judge and, doesn't uh, get knocked because he doesn't pitch. Otani just gets an extra, like, like, I don't know what the right word is, but he gets like a boost, I guess, because he is doing both at a high level. And also I disagreed with the idea that uh, you should include postseason stats in with the regular season stats when accumulating totals because that's not fair to players who play on bad teams who would have no chance of rank of uh you know Manny Ramirez would have 25 extra home runs or whatever Bernie Williams too it's just you can't they're not all playing the same amount of games if you factor in the postseason they don't even have the chance to play the same amount of games so you can't combine them because then how are certain players going to have a chance to tie or break records Randy Rosarino would have won Rookie of the Year in 2020 had they combined the stats. Free agency. You're allowed to, you know, go to where you want to. Dude, just, I, I, I hear your argument, Luke, but it's also like, I, I get I get both ways. Yeah. You know, like, I understand, like, your complaint because your Red Sox players right now will never break a record because they're going to be on this <laughs> crappy team. <laughs> <laughs> in last place in the cellar whereas you know like Aaron Judge is going to just keep tacking on these home run totals um so I get it but at the same time it's like why are we penalizing these players for you know being good like oh like oh you hit these extra 25 home runs Manny Ramirez why shouldn't it count for him he still did it he still did it did those not happen yeah, yeah, they're just uh, games. I mean, uh, uh, more the games now. Don't count? Hmm? <laughs> Do the games not count? Like, oh, right. no, they count. All right. Well, so maybe don't. in the upcoming weeks, we will have a bigger discussion on this, one that we can allocate a lot more time to uh, than, than tonight because we got to wrap it up. So I'm going to go with the ninth inning. Final thoughts from anyone quickly. John. Yeah, I want to go up and in on Araldus Chapman. Um, a few weeks ago, when Araldus Chapman went down because he had an infection because of the tattoo he got, and we thought he might not pitch again for the Yankees, I said that would be a pretty appropriate ending for the Araldus Chapman experiment in with the Yankees. Uh, that didn't happen. He did come back and fumbled his way through a few innings, and now, you know, over the past you know twenty four hours, he was designated for assignment and basically thrown off the team because when he was told he wasn't making the playoff roster, he packed, took his ball and went home. He went back to Florida and quit on the team. And that's about as appropriate of an ending as Araldus Chapman can get. Um, the Yankees gave him every chance this season to get right going into the final week of the season. It was his fault that he didn't pitch well. It was his fault that he had no control and to just, take that prima donna attitude, which he's not what he once was. And to be a prima donna in this situation, when you are nothing more than a mop up guy, it's embarrassing. And I'm glad to see like, he just cost himself money too, because maybe there's a chance that a team takes a flyer on him and gives him a two year deal prior to this happening. And in this off season, when he's a free agent, I don't see that happening anymore. At best he's getting 
maybe like a one-year deal with a very small three or four million dollar deal maybe he only gets a minor league people are teams are offering him a minor league contract and kind of taking a flyer on him he really he really screwed himself and it's unfortunate but what do you expect is from this guy he's been the biggest yankees embarrassment since a rod Mm -hmm. and i had a quick final thought uh thoughts and prayers to that guy that that fan that Bobby Wagner jacked up for running onto the field. Just kidding. No thoughts and prayers for him, but he is suing the Los Angeles Rams because Bobby Wagner trucked him when he ran onto the field during a game. I hope the judge sentences him to get trucked again. (laughs) To be fair though, like you got to look at it and go like Bobby Wagner didn't know what the fan could have had on him. Like, you know, and he's right near the sideline near all the players. Like, what do you want him to do? Just stand there and let the fan go by? Yeah, like, even if he's not carrying anything, you go onto the field. The You deserve it. You deserve yes. it if you go on the field. They they all reserve the right to knock you the F out if you go onto that field at any point. And he didn't even hit him that hard. He didn't even follow through on that. He just kind of gave him a little shoulder, and there's like, oh, okay. And he's still suing. Millennial. Yeah. All right, I got one Gen final Z-er, thought. Gen Z or Gen Z or yeah, he, he, I'm a millennial, and I'm I would ne- I like I know <laughs> if you do stupid things, you get stupid rewards. Like, come on, yeah, it's it's All not right. my generation. My generation of millennials own houses and have kids now. We're not out there doing the stupid shit. It's the next one. <laughs> hey, I'm in, the stupid shit age. I'm in the stupid animals. shit age, and I don't do that stupid shit. Okay, <laughs> like all right. Uh, Barnes, you got any final thoughts? Go Giants. All right. Derek? Uh, Alvaro, if you're listening, Manny Machado must now be referenced as future first ballot Hall of Famer Manny Machado from you. Okay? Where's the meatball here? All right. (laughs) All right. Um, Guys, that was a good show. Um, The wild card round is over and done with and the division rounds are coming up starting on tuesday so that means tomorrow monday night well i guess when you guys hear this tonight at 7 p.m on twitter we will be having a duggan barnes show for the division round so if you have anything to say please come on everyone can say what they want we had a great turnout before the wild card round on last Thursday. Um, don't forget on bleacherbrawls.com, there will be a column about Sandra Bogarts going up tomorrow. And all of our old podcasts are archived on the website too. So you can go and see any one of them, anyone you want. Um, YouTube, Derek here does a fantastic job on YouTube. Uh, last Friday, the Yankees video went up and on Tuesday, this Tuesday, another wild card recap video will be there. Um, I'll be on it. Derek will be on it. And hopefully someone else will be on it. Um, I'm Doug. I think that's all we got. I was graciously accompanied here today by John Luke, who just unmuted his mic and he's getting ready to say something after I, <laughs> after I outro, he's shaking his head. Uh, and Barnes and Derek. Thank you guys for listening. Have a fantastic day. Go Orioles.